I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's the what, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me on the other line, serious this time, it was fun while it lasted, from Hamilton, Ontario, it's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Hey! Hey, hey! What's that? Caitlin's in a tin can again, but sounds slightly better than before? Yeah, friends! Life is hectic. You get, we'll give you your content. We want to do it in person, but you know, there are lives, there's working, there's jobs, there's responsibilities. We're doing the best we can. Boo responsibilities. This is episode 200 and my God, 54, 254. We'll go with that. This is episode 254 yeah, that's, that's right. of the geek down podcast. If you would like to listen to any of our other 253 episodes, when we had varying degrees of responsibility and we're able to record this in person much more frequently go wherever you get your audio content spotify soundcloud google apple or stitcher give us a rate review follow subscribe please we lost one this week i don't know where you went i don't know where you went spotify maybe they follower. just didn't like maybe or maybe they really liked me sounding like i was coming out of a tin can and so as soon as i was in person they were like nope can't do it <laughs> they got one hit while well, we were a little meandering on that episode i'm not gonna lie but i don't care because i hadn't seen her in like 18 months so i said on twitter don't put two idiots in a room and expect cohesion but if you want to listen to that episode and so many others just go wherever you get your audio content and never miss a future episode you don't know when caitlin's gonna be back i don't know when caitlin's gonna be back in person do you want to miss no. it when that happens? Do you want to miss it now that we've gotten all the giddiness out of our systems and we can just focus and give you these laser precise podcasts? No. Oh, oh, Jordan. Shh. Quiet you. No, you don't. And you won't have to worry about it because if you follow or subscribe to this podcast, henceforth, new episodes will be brought directly to your device on the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip by your man's... Doctor Chauncey Frostelicus the third geek down internet elf. I put emphasis on that doctor because sometimes people forget. And you should always listen to a doctor. Just let him inject, inject these podcasts directly <laughs> into your ear hole. Because injections are safe. <laughs> and help you and stay away help from you and give you important things like podcasts <laughs> or or antibodies. Good Lord, what a world we live in. Friends, if you want to pump your anti-vax propaganda at me on social media, I mean, you're going to do it whether I tell you you can or not. You can head on over to twitter.com slash geekdownpod. That is where we live on the social meds. And thank God it's the only place we live on the social meds because it means I can minimize my exposure. If you would like to support this endeavor financially so that we can build a wall to further our two-tiered society that we're entering into, this is how it starts, Kate. It's how it starts. One day they're asking you to get a, one day they're asking you to get a life saving vaccine. The next, it's off, the next day off. they provide free health care and how dare they and how financial assistance? dare they impede on my freedom to choose to die a miserable death. I, I did see a very funny cartoon. There was a bunch of fish outside of their tank on strike, <laughs> saying that they they shouldn't be forced to. Live, live in a tank. Be put back in. Yeah. Be, be submerged in water. You don't have to fish. Go ahead. Hey, hey, Kate. If it wasn't for a brave free thinker like that, mm-hmm. wither evolution, huh? Huh? Get, <laughs> get your third eye open. They just need some crystals to help them. <laughs> we're taking we're taking over that Joe Rogan lane while he uh, <laughs> while he mainlines all that ivermectin to recover from his own COVID diagnosis. Oh Lord. <sighs> yes, friends, if you would like to donate to the cause, ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod, three bucks in the old tip jar. We always appreciate it. Buy us a coffee for th- or so that the next time we uh, go out for dinner after recording a show and we can actually like have a plan instead of meandering downtown Toronto for like two hours. I don't live there anymore, Jordan. <laughs> she expects me to just know things that exist in the city I live in. Wow. 
So, friends, uh, after we recorded last week, uh, Kate and I did head out for dinner. Uh, we, we did get. Did you get something chickeny? People. Um. People were very enamored uh, by your adjective, <laughs> chickeny. Really? <laughs> you wanted something chickeny. Uh, uh, I, I, what did I get? No, I got pork choppy. Pork choppy. It was like pork chop with like pork skin, like fried pork skin and some shrimp. Friends, the whole thing was so, a very, uh, Jordan and Kate geek down social anxiety type affair because we stopped in front of a place <laughs> that had a pretty bump in patio and we were just kind of like mumbin. glancing at the menu and the host came out and was like, hi, for how many? And we just went, two? <laughs> we really planned to go there. No, we just wanted to do it. We were just kind of getting off the main street, right? Like we'd been walking down Ossington and we were just kind of looking to check out the menu and kind of going off the main, the main crowds for a bit. Hi, how many? Two? Suddenly I'm getting satay beef <laughs> on lemongrass with a lychee smoothie. I mean, there are worse things. Um, yeah. But friends, we've talked about it before. Get yourself a BFF. Get yourself a podcast partner who can speak the same language as you so that when you are walking back from the restaurant and you pass by a foursome, two guys, two girls, and one of the girls goes, should we just go? I think we should just go. You can turn to Caitlin and go, oh my God, Caitlin. And watch her. <laughs> yes, expl- And watch her explode. <laughs> what are you doing here? And they were roommates. Uh, they were roommates. <laughs> so it was um, it was a lovely evening. It was all too it brief. Was. It was all too brief, but what are you gonna do? Um I got my steps in. Dr. Linda can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean you, the last thing we need is Dr. Linda on your back. <laughs> you know what else listen, Dr. Linda was very pleased with me when I met with her on Friday. I was not pleased with myself. I'm still not seeing the results I would like, but I mean, you know, again, the quality of food. I am it is a downward slope. Slow motion better than no motion, as they say. You want to talk about when else I got my steps in? Who's ready for a regional rant against the Toronto Transit Commission? It's been a while since you had one of those. I, You know what? I have one um, about Hamilton, so you go first. Oh, okay. Let's compare notes. Let's compare notes. Friends, I have not gone into much detail about the catastrophe that has been transit on King and Queen Streets this summer. I am running down catastrophe. That is... Amazing. Basically, there is King and Queen Street in Toronto as it moves westbound, intersect as King Street becomes Roncesvalles <laughs> Avenue. You have to say it like that? Do I have to go Roncesvalles? Roncesvalles. Um, Roncesvalles. I'm, I'm making up for the fact that I grew up in a city that had streets called Olet and Piri and Polisher. Known everywhere else as Pelissier, but in Windsor, it was Polisher. <laughs> so, yes, on Arancesvale. There is a huge, that is where the streetcars cross. There is an intersection there as they, one Queen Street continues to go westbound into Etobicoke, and the King veers north on Arancesvale towards Dundas West Station. Super regional. I'm just taking for granted any of you know Toronto geography. So, they have been doing some sort of track repair on this area of Queen Street. For nearly, I want to say it's been nearly a year at this point. And instead of then just having buses to replace the streetcars, I tried to explain this to Kate when she was coming for the first, because this was going to be her first encounter with it. It basically means now the King bus replacement bus goes down and then goes north on a side street to Queen and keeps going down Queen. And the Queen bus goes down to King and then up Dufferin back to Queen. So where and I, I am, literally was like, I don't, what? I'll just walk. And in the four block radius, you know, four or five block radius of Parkdale, where I live, this is the only spot where that really is. I live in the eye of the fucking hurricane, where nothing is reliable and down is up. And it's literally like, you know, I'm on the lost island right now. There's a smoke monster. The bus is driven <laughs> by a polar bear. I have no idea what's happening. So I am headed out to see someone cute last night. And this requires a trip on Go Transit, which is the method that Kate takes to get here. I take it in the opposite direction, out to uh, the outer realms 
<laughs> to the Essos of the GTA. And it's a reasonable walk. How long does it usually take you to walk here from there? Um, 20. Anywhere from, I'm going to say like 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say 25 minutes. Um, I just didn't feel like walking. And I, and I knew every time I walk and I hoof it and I end up like <laughs> barely catching the train, I look and I see just like buses going by. And I was like, there's got to be a bus I can take that'll get me here. And so I go in the eye of the hurricane at my regular bus stop. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll go down to Dufferin and I'll take the Dufferin bus there. And then I see a King bus show up and the King bus says replacement, you know, 504, whatever replacement to exhibition via Strawn. Okay, cool. This is going to take me all the way to exhibition. All right. It's kind of, and I, I look on the I open rocket man. I look at the map. I was like, okay, it's going to go down. It's going to go past where I need to be, but then it's going to double back and then kind of loop de loop and then back up, back up the way. Cool. So I'll do that. And as this guy is going down King Street approaching Strawn Avenue, he keeps hollering about, like, last stop. You want to keep going on King? Like, you know, get the street card here. And then he gets to Strawn, and he's like, last, last stop. And I'm like, well, aren't you going to exhibition? He's like, oh, well, yeah. I just, you know, people get mad when I, after I turn if I don't tell them. I was like, okay, well, we're, there's like four of us here. It's like, we're all going to exhibition. So just, you know, don't worry about it. Apparently saying that you go down exhibition loop does not mean you make stops on exhibition loop. What the f*** does that mean, Kobe Bryant? His Did last... they stop at that, that bus, at the gate? No. He went oh. past that. And when we were like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't, none of those stops serve as this bus. I said, what are you even talking about? <laughs> It was the saltiest I've ever been with a bus driver. I was fucking foul. I'm like, what are you even talking about? How does this make any sense? This is like an, I'm like on a lost season of The Prisoner here. Like, what is happening? I'm on a bus. <laughs> There's a fucking inflatable ball chasing me on this bus right now. Like, what is even happening? What do you mean? You says right on there that you go to Exhibition Loop. You just went past Exhibition Loop around the Princess Gates. And like, literally, you're now making me walk the same distance in the opposite direction to get to the GO station. What are you doing, Toronto Transit Commission? You could have just had a fucking bus <laughs> that goes the entire length of the streetcar you took off. What is this 504Q, 501J? Like, what the fuck? You literally just took a bowl of Alpha Getty and are like, this is the bus now. <laughs> <sighs> Serenity now. That's is my rant for this month about the Toronto Transit Commission. <laughs> and then, and then you know, the only time I ever tweet anymore is when I bitch about the TTC. And, you know, the, I basically just said, you know, one day I want the oral history of all the decisions that went into what this has been. The 504 used to be from Dundas West to Broadview. It was one streetcar. That was it. Bloop. One side of the city to the other. How do you fuck that up? I, I don't know. How do you fuck that up? And why would you keep queen the same you can make some argument to me about like oh it's serving the downtown core better first they split the streetcar into two there was a 504 a and b so if i ever went to go see someone cute on the other side of the city when she was at work i would get on the a in my neighborhood and that would take me down two-thirds of the way and then i'd get booted off near distillery oh, I, I hated that I hated that so much like and you can be like oh it's it's remedying downtown congestion you know whatever queen don't do it well, you got to do it for King, but not Queen. They're literally like two blocks north and south of each other. They run parallel. Why one and not the other? You had one glorious streetcar line that went bloop, one line to the other. What did it, what did it go do? It went bloop. That's what it did. You were fine. But instead, you took, you were like literally when a kid has a bunch of toys from different things and makes them all, like, you put the Ninja Turtle in the G.I. Joe F-14 and then had him fight Megatron. Like, that's, is just a, a throw a bus in with a streetcar, in with a pump truck, in with a rickshaw. Like, just, that's what I have to do to get to, to Broadview Station from my neighborhood these days. Ken Hamilton, top that. Okay. So... Hamilton 
Transit downtown is a lot better than Hamilton Transit on what they call the mountain. Now you're like, oh, Hamilton has a mountain. It does not. It has an escarpment. So it's basically like a, a plateau, like a raised plateau that has like a sheer drop. Now there are lots of roads going up to it, but it's colloquially referred to as the mountain. It does confuse out of towners. And you're like, oh, we're going, we're going to go to the mountain or go up to the mountain. And they're like, oh, there's a mountain. No, no, it's just a flat piece of land. Anyway. Um, so now that I live downtown, as opposed to on the mountain, um, transit is a lot better. However, they make these really weird decisions. I just want to interject for so a moment. I really love the idea of Kate, yeah. and, as, Kate as mountain folk. <laughs> I love the idea of Caitlin hanging out with the mountain people. The mountain people. Um, well, kind of jugging a washboard. She's just up there, like. <laughs> no, no. The mountain is actually uh, much wealthier than downtown, mm. so it's like it's reverse. Going the other direction. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So the mountain, I'd say, is like again. You know, regional talk is like uh, some of the areas of Scarborough that are a little bit nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have like the houses are separated. They have big lawns and big backyards and Gate, stuff. Gates and anyway. shit. All right. Yeah, yeah. Gate. Who can afford a gate? Uh, anyways, um, so downtown transit is a lot better, and there's a lot of express transit, a lot of one-way streets in Hamilton downtown, which is great Ooh. for getting through to the other side of mm-hmm. the city. Um, but there are three main, I'm going to call them like kind of hubs. Now, there's the the uh, actual bus I guess, no, there's four. Right, very close together, there are four little bus hubs where a bunch of buses go to. Um, One is... Oh, shit, there's five. Uh, See, this is... Okay, this is getting to my problem. There's no, like, super centralized place for the buses downtown. Right. There's McNabb Terminal, which has a bunch of buses. There is literally, like, a block away... There is another place that's going up the mountain that has literally it has like six or seven buses that come right to that spot um, one after another for some reason. Like who planned that? Anyways, um, there is uh, the GO train station, which is close to McNabb Terminal. It's like a two or three blocks away, but is not the same as the bus terminal. It's the GO bus and and like city bus terminal and like where I catch the bus where there's again this is like a couple blocks away from or a block or two away from the go train station um and in between the go train station and the McNabb bus terminal for the city it I don't know why it's so separated I don't know if this just works for them as far as getting buses to places but they do this thing where they have a lot of buses that'll stop on the same street, but they won't put them always together. So say, I'm just going to talk about three buses. The Express 10, which gets me to my house very quickly because it's an express bus, only stops at main streets. The number five and the number one. The number five goes the direction I'm going, but goes a weird way and is much more south than I need it, it would take me quite a bit longer to walk to my house getting off the bus. Mm. The number 10 and the number 5 are right, they stop right next to each other. I have to cross the street and walk, like I'm going to say it takes about like 5-ish minutes to get to the stop for the number 1. So that means that if I miss a number 10, I'm on the wrong side of the street and I see a number 1 coming, I have to like run to get to the stop instead of it stopping at the same stop. Same stop, right. I feel sometimes... I feel sometimes that, like, the people who plan buses don't take into account that I am on foot! I'm fucking on foot. I can't huff it. I've got, like, six bags. It's after work. (laughs) Like, I shouldn't have to run to go catch the bus. It should just stop where the one and like where the 10 and the five stop. And if I even tried to flag it down, it won't stop. They're just like, this is not my spot. Okay. Well, 
I'm also a pedestrian and cannot run to the bus before you fucking take off. <sighs> Anyways, that is that is my issue with with transit. It just it doesn't always seem to be made for people who are using it, <laughs> which is me, pedestrian Caitlin. <laughs> Who does not have the ability to fly or teleport to the next stop? Anyway. Do you know what the worst part is? What's the worst part? For people who do not live in the GTA, all they've heard for the last 15 minutes is, Why don't you go down to McNabb Terminal? (laughs) Hop on the 10. (laughs) Go down to the mountain. Transfer to a (laughs) 5. It's called a callback, y'all. It's called a callback. Too, uh, too good at this podcast game. Too fucking good. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> we just need to get out of should here. Should we just go? Let's just, let's just leave. Just go. Let's just leave the preamble. We should just go. Um, <laughs> because this is the type of show we are, we bring you up and we bring you back down. There's two items of news worth mentioning today. One of which is very sad, and that was the news last week that uh, beloved, at least by me, actor Michael K. Williams had unexpectedly passed away at the age of, oh. I believe it was 54. Bald. Michael K. Williams is, I mean, he's not in anything overtly nerdy, but I mean, like, you know he was Omar from The Wire. He was on Community. He, recently, he was in Lovecraft Country, which we talked about, and was just, I think I said to someone cute, the thing about him was, you know, the Omar is iconic. He's like... That's one of the like top five characters on television ever. Um, yes, cemented by his performance, and he was just a actor who, when he showed up, if you didn't know he was in something, you went, "Oh damn!" Oh, oh, I gotta watch that now. Yeah, like for me, it happened twice. It happened. I forgot he was a night of, which Caitlin never finished, but he plays sort of I the couldn't. like. <laughs> he plays sort of the. Uh, when the Riz Ahmed character goes to prison, he plays the, like, you know, the OG in the prison who kind of, like, takes care of but also facilitates uh, the Riz Ahmed character's sort of descent. Um, he's like the prison Don. And I didn't know he was in the show, and I was enjoying the show enough as is, but then when he showed up, I was like, oh, okay. He just always elevated whatever he was in. Like, I was in... Well, I didn't. I wasn't into it enough to stay with it through the season, but I mean, I was enjoying Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country enough. But then when he showed up as you know, dude's dad in the second episode or whatever, I was like, "Oh, he's here! Excellent!" Mm-hmm. Um, and he just did that for everything. And I mean, he everything I've learned about him since regarding his charity work. Um, he was a Brooklyn kid through and through, always looking looking out on how to. Better the lives of the people in the community he grew up in. Uh, he was also, he started as a dancer, which I don't think a lot of people know. Um, and some of the best videos I've seen in the week uh, following the news of his passing are just videos of him, like, out, you know, house dancing at, like, you know, public performances and stuff. Like, just just being himself, not being, not on any, I'm a star actor type bullshit. Like, just, you know, just being himself and loving life. And it's really, really sad. Um that he's gone and yeah it's we have the performances and we should have had a lot more and it's very very sad and make some time to watch the man's work he was he was one of the best just like non-flashy character actors of like his generation like i said he just kind of i always thought he just elevated whatever he was in like if something was good when he showed Mm -hmm. up it immediately got better like even on community where you like riffed about how Legos aren't simple anymore. Like it's such a <laughs> dumb little thing, but you know, but he made it. I'm just, I'm so sad. Yeah. I'm so, so sad about it. I, uh, senior correspondent told me in the evening and I don't think he was expecting <laughs> the reaction I had, but I just bawled my eyes out. Yeah, that was. It's it's been a rough year. I also is I it's I find it it's hard when I feel like an actor still has so much coming. Right. And um, yeah. And he did, but I mean, 
I'm now, you know, determined to like, I don't know, finish Boardwalk Empire or something, you know, just I want to find things that I haven't seen that he's in yet um, and get, see as many of his performances uh, as I can because he was, or just rewatch The Wire again, which I mean to do anyway. Um, so that's, that's the sad news. The not sad or happy news, but just sort of interesting news. I just saw this briefly right before we fired up the mics. And that is, uh, there's a new throne sitter for the most expensive comic ever sold. Would you like to take a guess at what it is or featuring what character, Caitlin? I know exactly what it is. She already saw the story, so I'm not going to make her guess. Uh, Friends, <laughs> traditionally, the most expensive comic was usually always Action Comics number one, which is the first appearance of Superman, which is like, superheroes exist because of that. Um... But was it, do you know the date? Was it this weekend, this week, this morning? When the hell was it? What, the, when it was announced? When this when this one sold, yeah. Oh, I have no idea. I just saw the headline of the article. Recently, a 9.6 copy, certified, slabbed. Ugh, I hate all that business, but <sighs> it's how you verify the condition of a comic. Uh, one of four, I believe it's the... Now the best condition uh, comic, copy of Amazing Fantasy number 15, which is the first appearance of Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. And it went for th- almost $3.6 million at auction wow. this week. Wow. That's a lot of, that's a lot of pennies, y'all. That's yeah. That thing at a 12 cent cover price. Wow. I Yeah, it's interesting. I was initially, like, I paused at the headline just because it's always been a, like, it's always action comics number one or fantastic four number one, or like, you know, any of those ones that kind of like launched in age. So like, you know, action comics, number one started the whole superhero thing. And then if you know the history of superhero comics, there was a lull in kind of like post-war in the fifties where comics kind of went back to like horror and, you know, romance or comics for everything. Superheroes were kind of on the low. They weren't as popping as they once were. And then Fantastic Four number one hits, and it's like, bam, superheroes are back. So Fantastic Four number one was always like the birth of Marvel, or like the second birth of Marvel. Um, and, you know, Stan, Stanley, Jack Kirby, they started their, like, collaboration. Um, so I was surprised to see that it was a Spider-Man book, and I was like, well, it's just because Spider-Man's popping right now, but it's probably the condition more than anything else. Um, Most likely. Friends, if you're unfamiliar about this, this started maybe 20 years ago when I first started hearing about it, where... Some organization that called themselves the Comics Grading Authority or Commission or something, CGC, um, started this business where you send your comics away and pay them X amount of dollars and then they inspect it, they grade it, they put it in what's called a, what they call a slab colloquially, which is like an airtight, heavy plastic container with a little like, you know, holographic boom thing at the top and the number grade and it basically... Like, when I was going through my comics last summer with Mr. Malosh, like, when I'm looking at the prices of what stuff goes for, you're looking at, like, the price for a graded comic. Like, a graded, the value of a graded comic, and again, it's just, it's all, it's all fake. <laughs> you know? Like, it's just, yeah. comics are worth what people will pay for them, but it's, yeah. they apparently have been able to set the standard for, like, what, to, to the tenth of a decimal place what makes, you know, a comic a 9.5 or a 9.6. And the difference between a 9, that was probably like half a million dollars from the 9.5 to the 9.6 on this copy of uh, Amazing Fantasy, right? Capitalism, you I'm just saying like, you know, the difference between a 9.5 copy and a 9.6 copy in this case was probably like, you know, quarter to half a million dollars. If this thing went for 3.6 million. Wow. When you're that high up, you know? And I, I don't, that's, I, I that's, don't know anything of the evaluation that goes into this. It's like, oh, the shades of white and how crisp it is. Like, <laughs> it, heaven forbid there be a fold in a corner, right? Oh my God! Yeah, they'll just knock you down like three. Well, points. I just think. See, my whole thing is like, oh, it shouldn't be loved. That's <laughs> that's how I think. Is it was it loved or not loved? That's the thing. How did you know? I mean, you either bought this in decent condition you know, in the seventies or something and then knew enough to take good care of it in the moment. Cause who in the moment in 1960, whatever, when this came out 
who was thinking to keep it in that good a shape? These were, these were rags. These were pharmacy spinner rack rags, right? Like, yeah. Who thought to take that good care of it? Unless there was one lying around that somebody came to later in the, in the seventies or eighties when it was only like half a mil, two fifty two fifty K. And then you keep it in decent enough condition until the CGC becomes a thing. And then you get it graded and now you're selling it for, you know, you know, like 4 million bucks. Um, again, capitalism, yo, shit's wild and terrible, but <sighs> wild and terrible. These are the times we live in. <laughs> it's just really, a summa- Yet- really a summation. Yet, remind yourself that you are lucky that you have hot water. Did you not have hot water recently? No, I'm just saying, like, showers and hot water? Change the game, man. (laughs) Whenever when someone's like, oh, I'd love to live in, like, the Victorian era, I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I'm good, thanks. Bitch, no, you wouldn't. I mean, besides the racism, on top of that, and the sexism, and, you know, just discrimination, and war, and dysentery, and whatever. Also, you couldn't have a hot shower. Like, you know? And the parasites, and just, like, slathering on perfume instead of actually bathing. Although the opium, though. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss for the opium (laughs) trade. (laughs) Oh, my God. Caitlin. Yes. What have you been watching? Um, everyone knows what I've been watching, but I need to talk about it anyway. Um, basically I did end up seeing that episode of, of McDonald and Dodds that I was hoping to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very excited. Um, and then I watched all the Vera that they had and I was so sad when it was over, but then it also struck me as interesting that like, so you have McDonald and Dodds made in Britain. You have Vera made in Britain. These shows both center around po- actual police investigators who investigate crimes. Um, and they are wildly different. <laughs> like just so even though, again, same type of show, kind of same genre, um, they are just so completely different. Um And I just, it's like when people say like, oh, is it anime? Well, that doesn't really tell you much, right? Like there's just so many different types of anime. That's the same thing when you say, oh, is it a murder mystery? Well, yes, but one has them taking, you know, a murder taking place in a hot air balloon. (laughs) And the other is a woman dies of hypothermia in the forest. How'd she get there? Like, you know, not the same, not the same vibe. Um... Then uh, we continued to watch uh, What If, um, this this episode, which uh, centered on a zombie apocalypse episode. Yes, that was I, the Marvel What If. I think I saw that. Yeah. And then um, Lower Decks, which continues to be brilliant. Um, we've I have brought up um, this lots of times before, but Crash Course, I've been... Uh, right, senior right, correspondent right. and I have been um, watching Crash Course European History, um, and I have been watching uh, uh, Crash Course um, Black American History with Clint Smith, and it continues to be fantastic. Um, they just had an episode on Frederick Douglass, um, which I knew I knew of him, but did not know as much as I do now, and. Uh, you know, Crash Course is just fantastic. But if you get a chance, if you're interested, Black American history has been really, really insightful and interesting. And I recommend it. And that's what I've been, that's what I've been watching. Yeah. I yeah. Am a, oh, I, and, and sorry, <laughs> a, a senior correspondent, Chris, tried to get me to watch um, the last Star Pilot. Starfighter? Yes, that's the one. They had a DeLorean before Back to the Future did. But I wouldn't do it because I was like, no, this looks really weird. Wasn't there terrible? Wasn't the whole thing that was the one about the kid who was good at video games and goes to like fight aliens or some shit? Yeah, yeah, it was like every kid in the eighties dream. I'm I'm a disgrace to my generation because I'm not super. I don't. I've never seen it. I'm not super familiar with it. Um, wasn't the one of the big things like the ship just spun a lot and like shot lasers? I don't know. I like a huge spread type thing. We watched, so it had one of those, like, terrible 80s trailers 
where they basically just tell you the whole movie and repeat the main character's name like 50,000 times. And I was like, I, I can't do this. <laughs> I, I, I can't watch this. The, the, I just, it looks, too, it looks too weird. Maybe at one point I will, but thank, I was like, nah. Thank Caitlin for bringing this up. It just reminded me of something she will be getting for November Crapathon later. Oh, no. Mm-mm-mm. What have I done? Uh, I'm kind of all over the place this week. Um, I didn't want to mention it as a segment because sometimes we talk too much about wrestling here, but y'all just AEW All Elite Wrestling was just like, you know what? Fuck it. We're doing everything. Um, There was the recent, (laughs) the recent acquiring and signing uh, and return of CM Punk, which was a huge moment. It's just very funny because I was texting with someone cute, uh, you know, in the morning or whatever. And I was saying, like, I'm just getting caught up on what happened on the AW show this week. And she just wrote back CM Punk, the end. <laughs> she doesn't even know wrestling, but she knows that. Um, so they had their big, one of their big pay-per-views recently. And everybody thought this was going to be, like, Daniel Bryan, or now Bryan Danielson, former leader of the Yes Movement from the WWE, was going to show up. He did show up, but not only did he show up, a guy named Adam Cole, who was, like, one of the king of the indies, Worked with a lot of the guys who are in AEW right now in New Japan and had been like the face and the spine of the NXT side of WWE for like the last three years and had just done like amazing work over there. Um, and it low key looks that that whole business you will recall when the WWE was like, you can't have Twitch streams anymore or right, you can't have which is which is bullshit or we want to cut or, you know, whatever or like cameos. Yes. Was that another one? I think so. Yeah. Or there's, they want to cut and their argument is like, you are, you know, we have given you the platform. If you then start to profit off of that platform, we should get money from that. Like I said, capitalism, right? And I'm Cole was like, nah, <laughs> that's not negotiable for me. If you want me to stay, you know, you got to bend on that. And they didn't want to. Right. So, his contract came up a lot sooner than I think they expected it to. Like somebody wasn't paying attention and suddenly his contract was up. <laughs> and I don't think they factored in like the standard non-compete clause or whatever. Cause normally when you leave somewhere, you know, a company, there's 90 days where you can't show up anywhere else. They want your heat. They want your heat to die down before you show up anywhere else. Right. Um, right. but he didn't have that. He was basically done in NXT. And two weeks later, he was a surprise rollout at AEW and he came out first. <laughs> And people lost their minds, and they thought, oh, well, that's who we're getting at this show. And then Tony Khan at AEW was just like, no, you can have all your toys. You're not getting anything else after this, but you can have all your toys tonight. Here's Daniel Bryan. I, I still, I can't believe that about Daniel Bryan. Like, It's pretty nuts, and it's really, to, like, watch a company level up in real time, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you feel like you're you're living through history. You really do. And honestly, it's got that, I'm sure I'm not the first person to make this comparison, but I mean, it's kind of got the ECW feel. Um, and ECW was a much different thing back in the 90s, but it was like this sort of like upstart that slowly started building momentum. And that's where we are here. Like AEW shifted into the next gear and to watch where they're going to go next is just fascinating. And I love keeping up with what they're doing. And it's so like hours after the AEW show ended, the WW Instagram was like hyping Monday night raw. And they're like, watch Reginald fight Tozawa for the 24 seven title. It's like, you really are promoting this. Do you even have a television? Do you know what happened tonight? The comment threads on, on the WW Instagram last week were mm-hmm. again chef's kiss fire it's just like it's probably yeah, what are you even doing this is what they brought out adam cole and daniel bryan and you have this this is what you have they're not going anywhere they're fine the roman brock lesnar story of paul Heyman storyline is still as good as any if not better than anything happening in AEW. the edge seth rollins stuff recently like they've got their shit together over there too but there's just so much more of it that's not all gonna be there's going to be a lot of, what is that, wheat and chaff? There's going to be a lot of chaff over there to get to the wheat. The ratio right. on AEW is a lot is a lot tighter. Um, and then I still talked about wrestling for like 15 minutes. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, <laughs> I finished season one of Owl House. What is it? It, it was good, wasn't what it? Was there to say? It was fucking great. Um, yeah. one, one thing I will say about Owl House that I really liked, that is something that Gravity Falls does not have, and that is badass action. 
because that fight, that wizard fight at the end the, was yep, really good. Yep. The, the Ida, the Ida Lilith fight at the end of the season was, I was like, Oh, we are going for it here. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, can I, so spoiler for anyone who hasn't finished the first season, cause I have to talk about this now that you finished mm. that moment where her mom says, I really like getting the letters from you. Who is sending her letters? I just like freaked out. And then when they didn't address it again, right? I was like, what is going on? I need to know. So I'm hoping eventually I will be able to find season two because I know it's out there. Oh, girl, I I already found it. I watched the first episode. What? Where is it? I'm not going to say on mic, but we'll talk. Oh, oh, I mean, what? Oh, okay. Uh, I'll talk to you later about it. Small spoiler for the premiere. My favorite odd couple. Of all time, I really hope this carries through the season. Shouts to Lilith and Hootie. Lulu and Horns Hootsifer. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking awesome. Um, Owl House is great. First season's on Disney Plus. Second season will be on Disney Plus any day now, I imagine. Get into it. Uh started reading a Burke. Um, not too far into it, but I'm enjoying it and I will be sticking with it. And that is called Uncanny Valley. It's about a woman who kind of before Silicon Valley got Silicon Valley. She kind of got in on the ground floor on some app that was going to be like, I think Spotify for audiobooks. She never says anything by name. And sometimes it's really obvious what she's talking about. And sometimes it's not. She was like a receptionist at a small publishing house. And then just like that experience just kind of like got her an in as this company like got off the ground and like looked for investors and shit. Even though she didn't, she knew she no tech expertise, no nothing. She came from publishing and it's just kind of her experience with tech bros. Um, mm, that's, that's probably horrifying. Not yet, but it will be, I'm sure. Um, so yes, the author is, uh, Anno Weiner, Weiner. I apologize. I don't know the correct pronunciation. Um, but yeah, it's dope so far. I just needed a, a light, a light kind of, you know, relevant, but not heavy kind of read. Um, after a message to Adolf, <laughs> I was like, yeah, give me yeah, some, need something, give me something to... a little. A little easier to hang mm-hmm. with. Uh, I'm also mad hype because I was at Major Canadian Retailer and I didn't know Colson Whitehead had a new book coming out uh, called The Harlem Shuffle. That's basically a crime caper kind of book. And I'm like, ooh, oh. Colson Whitehead writing a heist book, you say? Well. Crime capers. Let me get into that. Yeah, it's about some dude who like is like a fence in Harlem in the 60s type of thing and uh, gets roped into other stuff. What do they call it? A, a, a family, a di- family dynasty saga masquerading as a as a noir. I'm like, cool. Give me, give me some. I love when somebody. I love when a literary guy goes genre. Like, hand hand me that, spoon me that into my maw. I <laughs> cannot get enough. Into my gob. Into my gob. Um, what else did I watch? Did you really watch anything else? Uh, one thing I. Oh, I, I'm two thirds through. I was watching it with someone cute. This is your someone cute. Uh, this is Jordan's movie updates featuring someone cute. Um, <laughs> I got two thirds through it. It seemed like it was made in a lab for you. We never talked about it. So I don't know if you watched it was gunpowder milkshake. Oh yeah. I watched it. I'm sure, I thought I brought it up. I don't recall if you brought it up or not. Honestly, I don't, I don't think you did. Um, well, I'm two thirds through. I haven't seen it all yet. Um, so I don't want to say too much about it, but I mean, it was, it was, was I more engaged than I was with he's all that as for a piece of like, he's all that. I was engaged because, oh my God, this is terrible. I love making fun of it with someone cute gunpowder milkshake. I was actually watching because it was a movie, you know? And yeah, I, I don't know if I, I don't remember if I did talk about it or not, but I, I didn't really like it. It's, it's not doing, I haven't gotten to the, like the big climax shit yet. So all I know is Michelle Yeoh's hand-to-hand combat moment is coming. I haven't seen it yet. That's I'm going to watch the end for that. Because mm-hmm. I mean, the fighting is great. Like the fight stuff, it, it's good. Um, I don't really like. Oh, oh dear, what's her name? <laughs> the lead. Yes. Nebula. Yes. I always want to say Karen Gillan, but I never know if I'm com- if I'm using that. It. Karen Gillan, yes. Nebula slash. I feel like she was Doctor Who adjacent. Was she, or am I just assuming yes, everybody? Yes, that's, that's where she she came from. Okay. You know, you didn't like her. She. Uh, I no. I see. I I really didn't like her as as uh, Nebula. Mm. 
and I still don't. Um, it's I I I could probably go in depth someday to like figure out why, but I just <laughs> don't think I don't think she's that good of an actress. Um, I know some people are like freaking out. Oh, right God, now. Jesus. Um, uh, Interrogate anyways, that at a later date. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't, she's not a great fighter and she doesn't pull off a lot of the fight scenes that she's in, in the movie. So you like, know, like gunpowder milkshake. So I can't buy it. You know what she does pull um, off? A satin bowling jacket. Shouts to the stylist. She does. On, shout to the stylist on that movie. Fantastic hats. Yeah. One last thing I have. It is a game. It's a dumb little mobile game that I put on my phone. Games that go on the phone are different than games that go on the iPad. I have a soft spot for video pinball. <laughs> I don't know what this. Oh. I don't know what this dates back to. And. The 90s. <laughs> uh, is, is it just that? Was it, yeah, there was like a free demo like pinball game that came on like school computers and shit, wasn't there? Or like, or like, did yeah, always... my, I had it. My mom had this computer from work and she was like, oh, there's like this pinball game you might like. I just like, it's all I would do. All, all, I don't know if it's like Sonic Spinball from being a kid or like, you know, freeware pinball games on MS DOS back in the day or something. But um, actually, I learned of this genre because uh, Love Life Group Aqua has a tie-in song right now to some game and i was like what's Uh, that game yes Yes, you had me watch the video i I did and it's a fucking bop isn't it 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 it, it slaps i gotta say like i was like oh wow damn i'm not even gonna say the title because it's a ridiculous you know idle pop song title um but I was like, what type of game is this can i get this game like what like what is it it is a pinball rpg which is what I am currently playing. It's not this game. I don't know if it's just like, I don't know what was first. If they're just the game that the tie-in is for is only in Japan. And this one has come global and it's called world flipper. And it is just a pinball RPG. It is not the best thing I have ever played in my life, but it's just been kind of fun for a bus ride. You know, it's literally just, it's like Arkanoid, right? It's like, you're literally just like shooting your little sprite characters at monsters. And you swipe to do a spell or a skill or something. And, and the graphics, I wish they hadn't gone so chibi 8-bit with the graphics. Um, that's a little annoying. But, I mean, you're fitting it on a phone screen. I get it, I guess. Um, and sometimes, you know, I'm old now. So when a lot of stuff starts happening, when the multiball effect starts hitting, I'm like, what is even happening right now? <laughs> it's just sparks and numbers and <laughs> and spinny shit. Uh but yeah, that dropped this week. It's been fun and stupid. Will I stay with it? I don't know. Phone games tend to last for a few weeks and then I get rid of them to free up space. But I was going to say, oh, but how will you find the time with all of your tappy tappy? So, so many tappy tappy tablet games. So many tappy tap games. Um, I will say that reminds me. I didn't mean to bring this up. The one feature of the D4 DJ game is the ability to make set lists because it's, you know, it's the DJ electro waifu game. And you can make set lists and the game will kind of like mix them for you. Like you just pick four songs and it kind of does the on the fly. It does the trans, the game does the transitions itself. Um, and I just picked four songs I really liked, but just by random when I played the set list now, it's got like actually kind of killer transitions in it, <laughs> in my little set list of oh. four songs. And when you play other people's set lists, like you can share set lists and play other people's stuff like the little, the ones they've made, you can choose to write in the guest book of their club. You know, you got a little club. That... Oh my God. But people take the time to actually write stuff. There's like a default comment where I'll just be like, super hype. And they just hit submit. <laughs> you know, the game will be like, super hype. That was dope. Some people actually call out specific stuff. It's like, oh, somebody signed your guest book. And I was like, oh, what is even this? It's like, those transitions were so great. I'm like, you, you took the time to type that D4DJ68148. Oh, see, see, this is nice. This is like the internet of the past. Yeah, right. For people you still like. Signing guest It's books. like every so often I stumble. So I, I basically just look up recipes online if I'm interested <laughs> in something. And every so often I stumble to one of those like food recipe blog that has like a page story for you get down to the recipe. 
Anyways, oftentimes people actually write in those comments and it's not like you're a whore. It's actually like, <laughs> wow, I really like this recipe, but I replaced this thing with this thing. Do you have any ideas for how to use this ingredient? And the person will write back and it's very friendly. And I'm like, oh, these are the comments you can read. Y'all, if anybody wants notion. to find me on D4DJ and call me a whore in my guest book, <laughs> I would actually, I would actually love that. Um, so that's what I got into. Weird week. One other thing I watched, which is what Caitlin told me to. It's Cinematic September, y'all. Woo! She's so excited. She's switching focus. She's put a pause on Marvel. Make me go over to DC. and get some mm-hmm. birds of prey when we come back from this break. show this is the half of the show where we talk about the things that we've brought each other this week i brought jordan a cinematic adventure (laughs) but before we get into that we have some rules yep the first rule is the rule of three that is if thing comes in parts we will listen watch read three of those parts so the thing has a chance to become the thing is trying to become but because it is cinematic september i require all of the thing to be watched no rule of three no rule of three in september no. Um, second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. That is the rule that we will not talk about the thing before we are sitting in front of these microphones so that you guys get the freshest of takes, mm-hmm. even if the thing is kind of old. But this is not as old as I thought it was, and it kind of freaked me out. And I was like, oh, my God, a thousand years have gone past since COVID. <laughs> I was like, how? Um, third rule is not really a rule. It's just a policy. And that is that there will be spoilers. So if you have not watched Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, you should go do so now. It's somewhere. It's a couple places, actually. It's so on Crave. do that. It's, it's on Crave. It, it's probably some other places, uh, depending on which region you are in. Um, anyways, with all of that, Let's get on to the description, which, of course, I have stolen from Wikipedia. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, also known as Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, or simply Birds of Prey, is a 2020 American superhero film based on the DC Comics team. The Birds of Prey. See? See? 2020? See? I don't believe you. 2020. Uh, it is... Okay, yeah. I don't care about the DCEU. Um, blah, 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 blah. It serves as both a spinoff and sequel to Suicide Squad 2016. It was directed by Kathy Yan and written by Christina Hodson. It stars Margot Robbie as Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Journey Smollett-Bell, Rosie Perez, ah, uh, and lots of other people. Ali Wong's in it, Ian McGregor. Um, the film follows Harley Quinn, who, after breaking up with the Joker, is threatened by Gotham City crime lord Roman Sionis and joins forces with uh, Helena Bertinelli, Dinah Lance, and Renee Montoya, who go on to form the Birds of Prey to save Cassandra Kane. Uh, so... Uh, let's see, plot. I'll do a little bit of the beginning, but won't get too far into it. Um, four years after the defeat of the Enchantress, the Joker breaks up with Harley Quinn, throwing her out of the Gotham, onto the Gotham City streets. She is taken in by Doc, the owner of a Taiwanese restaurant, and recovers from her relationship by cutting her hair, adopting a spotted hyena, whom she names after Bruce Wayne, and taking up roller derby. Um, there is a bunch of other stuff that happens, it is all silliness and fun. I enjoyed it immensely and thought Jordan should definitely take a look. Jordan, what do you think? Why do you like this movie immensely? Why do I like this movie immensely? Um, I like the fight scenes. I like the silliness of the characters. I like the silliness level. I think it's appropriate. Um, there are like maybe two scenes I don't like. One of them is you McGregor yelling at a lady, take her clothes off. I, it was not necessary. Um, so let me put, I'll I, put, a, put a pin in that right here. Okay. okay Sorry. Okay. I know I asked the question, but now I'm putting a pin in it. Cause you, you jumped ahead. What sort of club is this? <laughs> Why would anyone it's, go it's there? An... I feel like if there was a possibility <laughs> that my companion for the evening would be asked to dance on a table, mm. And forcibly smile, and then I would be asked 
cut her dress off of her. This is not, if I knew this was the sort of thing that could happen at this establishment, I don't know that I would be going there for an after work drink. That's just me though. Do you Gotham city, but seems like Um, a rough hang. Anyway, sorry. What else do you like about this movie? Yeah, no, it was, I love, I really liked the music. Uh, The music was great. Um, I, again, I think, I don't think movies are silly enough. Um, I think they take themselves too seriously. And this was definitely a departure. Um, I really loved the breakfast sandwich scene. <laughs> I am a connoisseur of breakfast sandwiches. And this really spoke to me. Um, it spoke to me. Yeah. And I know Harley Quinn is a lot of, like, a lot of people don't like her as a character. But I, like, grew up watching Batman the Animated Series, which is where she's from. And so I've got, like, this soft spot for her. And though I did not watch um, su- The Suicide Squad, the first, the one, the the 2016, um, I, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Um, I did not think she got... I don't know. I think... I think that was... It was too bad that that was her debut. Right. Um, and I think this was... I, I like this much better. I also taking, you know, Harley Quinn out of it. I actually really loved the other characters, um, in this specifically the way they depicted the huntress. <laughs> and it was like, do you know who I am? <laughs> You're the, what did they kept calling her? Crossbow the, killer. The crossbow killer. She'd be like, no, I, I don't know. There was just, yeah, I like silly things. I like weird humor. Um, I like, the impossible in a film. So yeah, I just, it was a good time. Really didn't take itself seriously at all. I'm not going to say it was a bad time, but I definitely think there is a fine line between silly and messy. And I don't know if this movie always treaded that line effectively. Um, this movie felt messy at times. Like Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Huntress probably, uh, did get some laughs out of me, but also what was her character even like, she literally had she like was like avenging her family. She had like twenty minutes. Of sc- she had like twenty minutes of screen time. Like this movie definitely felt like it was working backwards a lot. Like, right. like we want to do Harley. You know, what would be cool. Harley as Marilyn Monroe. Well, that would be cool. That was that was like the second thing I was like eh, about. We need we need a diamond for that to work though. Okay, let's have a diamond. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Like, it's just kind of like they had things they wanted to do <laughs> and then they kind of work backwards from there. What do I have to do to get there to get, make right. that thing work? Um, yeah. Let's talk about Harley as a character. Um, uh, okay. I understand the, the tried and true depiction of the character from Batman, the animated series. I had not seen suicide squad either. And all of my, you know, all of my consumption of Harley has been a, in a supporting role. As the leader, as the driving force, the the over you know the put on uh, drawl, the puddings, the all that, the you know the the Carver knockoff dialogue, it all just kind of starts to grate on me after a while. Um, Margot Robbie is very charismatic as the character. I think she's. I don't know. I don't know who could play the character better. To be honest, like mm. she's. She does so, it very honestly, well. like the cartoon version is better. <laughs> well, of course, you're going to say that. They're two different things, Caitlin. You can't have the cartoon version. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean Harley Quinn, the current Harley Quinn cartoon. Oh, um, yeah, because it's not doing as much of the like. What are you guys doing over there? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to break Cassandra Kane out of prison to get Roman Sianis' diamond. Like, there's there's less of that. <laughs> <laughs> in the cartoon <laughs> that was good um there's less of that in the cartoon and i mean that's you know shots to the god Arlene sorkin like she that's the originator of the role um that was just her kind of she always kind of played yeah. characters like that it's it's the femme fatale it's the betty boot femme fatale type of shit um and i thought some of the action scenes were i didn't think again you talk about working backwards for for why the time jump out of order storytelling that didn't really need to be there. Uh, you could have just played it straight. That would have been fine. Um, I'm not going to get my nerd on 
about Cassandra Kane just being a pickpocket instead of the best bat girl. I'm not going to get my. <laughs> but she has to start somewhere. Not gonna get my, not gonna get my, you're not going to get my nerd hackles up about that. Um, of course, because I'm a man, I'm going to talk about the only man in the movie because it should be said, I think Ewan McGregor knows when he's in something bad and just decides to fucking go for it and have fun. Yeah. That dude was fucking going for it. He had zero fucks in this movie. And he really delighted me when he wasn't, you know, telling women to strip in public. Um... Yeah, I wish I so... I wish I had seen this movie when it came out. I could have bought Journey Smollett into my life sooner. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't you have suck. Had, I wouldn't have had to have a <laughs> primarily Journey Smollett free uh, pandemic. I didn't know about her to Lovecraft Country, y'all. Um, but I'll be I'll be on board. I did like, for the most part, I liked her Dinah. I was getting a little. I was like, just do the voice by the end of it, and then she only does the voice once. But I mean, I get it. It takes a lot out of her. Um, I'm looking forward to whatever happens with that character in the future. Um, yeah, it's, it was, it was messy. It was weird. I think in the moment of watching it, I was kind of like, I, I, I noticed this moment in myself, I think where it was like, I was definitely taking it too seriously and my own, I had to untrain myself to be like, to free myself from the Nolanization of the DC universe, you know? Cause that's the last time I was really like in it mm. where it's like low key believable, <laughs> you know, it's not, yes, he's the Joker, but he's not, you know, he's just a sociopath with scars on his, you know, face. He's not right. like, he's not, he doesn't have an acid boutonniere and shit like that. You know, I think I, <laughs> I had so much, I had so much. <laughs> Kate writes hard for the acid boutonniere. Um, I, I have to tell you something afterwards that's like my favorite Joker moment in like any media, and that's the Joker I want in my life, but continue. I think I had to like untrain myself to like live in that version of the DCU. And it was the moment when she's like walking up to like the amu- the dilapidated amusement part, and I was just like, what city ordinance would let this thing continue to exist? <laughs> like, why is this here? That, but that's like someone should have so, cleaned this. <laughs> like so I don't know. I, I don't think you did ever see. Um, what did they call? I think did they call it Young Justice? No, it was that live action. Titans. Titans. Yes, that was it. Um, I never did. So there's the one of the ending of the first season, like the ending episodes, was like. Robin goes to Gotham City and Gotham City's a fucking mess. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's the only way Joker gets to like go around <laughs> doing doing shit like like this, right? Um like why hasn't Superman stepped in yet? Yet. Um but my, see my favorite depiction of the Joker is from the TV show. Um like the 19, when did it come out? 1960s? Oh, Caesar Romero Joker? No, yeah. And yeah, there's, I said, kid you not, they're at a, uh, uh, the, the, the jail is having a baseball game <laughs> with the inmates. Uh-huh. And home, I think it's home plate has a spring in it that. <laughs> launches him out of the jail fantastic and it just i i just like it was this was the cheese i want right like that for me is is like batman but i know that's but then of course you've got nolan verse it's all scary but yeah i literally noticed it in myself where it was the moment where i was like how does this exist dummy this is not like even close to anything resembling the real world. Let that shit go. Yeah. And when I let that go, it was like, I didn't have a bad time watching it, but I was still like, that's messy. That seems weird. That's odd. Wither Huntress. Um, you know, like things like that. I definitely noticed, but I mean, you like the musical choices. I thought they were re- so like literally Harley smacking me in the face with her mallet. That's how on the nose they were. Um, you know, like, time for a lady fight. Of course you play Barracuda. It's just like, 
It's Barracuda or like hit me with your best shot. Was that in there too? I feel like that might have even been in there. I feel, yeah, it definitely was in there. <laughs> you know, like so- soups on the nose uh, musical choices. But I mean, it's fine. It's a silly comic book movie. Um, and I mean, it's a, I walked out of it being like, that's like a solid six and a half. Like, cool. Again, it's 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 what Cinematic September is. Would I have ever watched this unless Kate Nolan asked me to? Probs not. Um, I was not expecting like the attempt at lore in this movie. Like she gave a brief recap about everything that happened kind of in the first Suicide Squad movie, and I'm like, do I have to go back and watch Suicide Squad now? No, <laughs> or or possibly depending on what we decide for next week. I have ideas. You have ideas. Listen, it's my turn next week. Uh-huh. Anime rom-coms, y'all. <laughs> They're coming. Solid six and a half from me on on Harley. Um, it's just because uh, everyone is interested in what I think. Um, it's an eight for me. An eight. I really enjoyed an that movie. Eight. I had a lot of fun. It's I don't take things as seriously as you do. You're oh. like I want exacting storytelling I'm, I'm and a, like I'm a serious like, person. <laughs> I'm a serious person, raw, and I'm like, let's have her be in roller skates for a reason. <laughs> like I'm like I'm there because reasons. Um, I did. I like the scene with all of them in the diner. Anytime Harley and and Dinah were together, I was all for that. Like those two yeah. together, I was very much into that. Um, but there were just like some weird, kind of lazy, say baggy spots in it, sloppy spots. That's, yeah, I noticed. And I think, I think at the end of the day, the focus was just on like, we need a Harley movie. We need to, she deserves better than she got in Suicide Squad. So, you know, we did wrong by her in Suicide Squad. So let's try to do better by the character and give her something else. Um, And I mean, as I just now realize, I've gone this entire discussion without even mentioning Rosie Perez's character. That's about all you need to know about how they, how they did by Rosie Perez in this movie. Fine. But Gotham Central head over here uh, really loves Renee Montoya, and that was like, she deserves better. Um, I'm hoping. I hoping next movie they'll move away from Harley and just have, just have the ladies. Yeah, I mean, like Bert, like not Birds of Prey, Black Canary. We don't know what's going to happen if any of these characters are going to return, etc. But um, like I said, like I said earlier, be interested to see it. That is on your craves here in Canada, and. That is going to wrap this installment, this first part of Cinematic September. Friends, what's up for next week? Will we be in person? Will we be on the phone? We're probably going to be on the phone. But what's up for next week? I think I have an idea. Oh, I'm going to let Caitlin know. I'm going to let Caitlin know off idea, mic. Ideas all around. Ideas all around. Friends, if you have ideas, we're always open to ideas here. This is not just a one this is an omnidirectional uh, flow cultural exchange here, friends. And if you want to hit us up with your suggestions, by all means, twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Get up off Twitter. What cinematic offerings can you not believe we've never talked about in five years of this show? Hit us up. Let us know. We'd like to hear it, wouldn't we? We would. Absolutely. Get, 100%. Get at us. Kate? Yes? Lovely to talk to you. You too. That is going to wrap it up for this installment, friends. Thank you so much for spending an hour plus of your week with us in these uncertain times. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us next week for another fantabulous episode of the Geek Down Podcast. It was just really funny because I was t- texting with CMQ. CMQ. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>